0: In Deuteronomy 4, we have exhortations to obey God's law, in particular the second commandment. We have the rehearsing of God's goodness, the cities appointed for refuge, and also the first parts of the inheritance of Israel. Here now the reading of God's holy word from Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Now, therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you." Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words. They may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant which he commanded you to perform even ten commandments. And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go over to possess it. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. And lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swear that I should not go over Jordan, And that I should not go in unto the good land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, but I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan, but ye shall go over and possess that good land. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image, or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, Even a jealous God, when thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, Ye shall utterly be destroyed, and the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear, nor eat nor smell. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation. And all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before thee, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and ask from the one side of heaven, Unto the other, whether there hath been any such thing as this great thing is, or hath been heard like it. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as thou hast heard and live? Or hath God assayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, and by great terrors? According to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, He is God. There is none else beside Him. Out of heaven He made thee to hear His voice, that He might instruct thee. And upon earth He showed thee His great fire. And thou heardest His words out of the midst of the fire. And because He loved thy fathers, therefore He chose their seed after them and brought thee out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt, to drive out nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou art, to bring thee in, to give thee their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore this day, and consider in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above, and upon the earth beneath there is none else. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Then Moses severed three cities on this side Jordan toward the sun rising that the slayer might flee thither which should kill his neighbor unawares and hated him not in times past and that fleeing unto one of these cities he might live, namely Bezer in the wilderness, in the plain country of the Reubenites, and Ramoth and Gilead of the Gadites, and Golan and Bashan of the Manassites. And this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. These are the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which Moses spake unto the children of Israel after they came forth out of Egypt. On this side, Jordan in the valley over against Beth Peor, and the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites who dwelt at Heshbon whom Moses and the children of Israel smote after they were come forth out of Egypt. And they possessed his land and the land of Og, king of Bashan, two kings of the Amorites, which were on this side Jordan toward the sun rising, from Aroer, which is by the bank of the river Arnon, even unto Mount Zion, which is Hermon, and all the plain on this side Jordan eastward, even unto the sea of the plain, under the springs of Pisgah. Thus far the reading of God's holy word from Deuteronomy chapter 4. May the Lord bless us in the reading and hearing of it. A few comments on this very important passage. Verses 1 through 13, we have exhortations to obey God's law. Notice what he says there in verse 2. He says, you shall not add or diminish. In other words, what God has given us in the scriptures is enough He's not saying he wouldn't later add more information. But what he's saying is whatever God reveals to you, that and that alone is what you should take heed to. Don't make your own commandments to add to his, the doctrines and commandments of men. Don't say his commandments are not enough, so we need more, or to take away. He's commanded something and you say, that's not important. That one doesn't matter. We don't have to obey that one. God forbids both. It is only the word of God that may be used in our obedience. And all other rules are disobedience. Listen carefully, because they say that someone else can make a law for me. Not just God, some other creature, myself or the church or somebody else. Someone else can make a rule for me. That's making God insufficient. His word is not enough. Notice verse four, those who did cleave to God in the midst of Baal Peor, what did he do for them? But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive every one of you this day. They held fast to God. They didn't let him go. God blesses and he preserves those that sincerely seek him. Notice then the heathen nations after God delivered his law to them. He says that if they kept and did those commandments they would hear, the heathens would hear of these statutes. They would hear that God had given a law and they would say that law is good. That law is righteous. That law is wise. And the people who have that law and who do it is a wise and understanding people. Notice then that the 10 commandments have a resonance with all the heathens. That's what he's talking about, the 10 commandments. That's what was given at Mount Horeb. That's what God delivered there. And he's going to refer to it as the covenant of the Ten Commandments in this passage. So the Ten Commandments has a resonance with all men. It is a universal rule, a moral law, a law that is within the heart of every man. All Ten Commandments have a resonance in human nature. So the heathens would hear of this and they would say, what a righteous nation. These commandments that they observe Are glorious and wise. Notice also verse 8. He says, Not just the statutes, but also the judgments are righteous. So we see that they would see the Ten Commandments as righteous and wise, but also the judgments for breaches against that law. And if you think about the punishments of the Old Testament, when it says eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, when it says you take a life, you forfeit your life. When you steal, you make restitution. When you commit adultery, you should be put to death. All these rules are judgments where the judge has to take the moral law and he has to apply it to judicial cases. he says the heathens will recognize that as well. They will see that as wise and as righteous. But notice, they were to teach these statutes. They were to take heed, he says, And keep their soul diligently lest they forget. But one way to remember, he says, is to teach them to your sons and to your sons' sons. Fathers have a duty, especially and principally, but mothers as well, to teach their sons and their daughters. And there is a reminder that comes to us when we have family worship. When we instruct our children and read the word of God, it reminds us so that we don't forget the statutes of God. Notice verse 13, and he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even ten commandments. And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. This is when they saw no similitude, but they heard the voice of God and they saw the fire rise up to the heart or midst of heaven. They received God's covenant. Now, some people believe that the covenant that Moses was part of was like a covenant of works. Do these things and you'll live. One breach of God's commandments and what? You'll die. That's what a covenant of works is. There's no repentance. There's no forgiveness. There's no grace. There's no good news. Is that what Moses gave to the people? No, of course not. God, in fact, at the beginning of the Ten Commandments says, I am the Lord thy God. Can God be the God of wicked and guilty sinners? No. It actually implies that they have received God's grace and the pardon of their sins. And then he says, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed you out of bondage. The law then is not given as a means to bondage. Some people who corrupt it and twist it make it into a means of bondage. That's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 3, turning the covenant of grace into a covenant of works. But here, this covenant that God made, this testament where God took them as his heirs and gave them his law and said, these are the household rules. I am your father. I've adopted you. Now live in this way. This is a covenant of grace. And it includes the Ten Commandments that law and light of nature that all men would recognize as wise, delivered in two tables, the first containing our duties to God, the second containing our duties to our neighbor. Verses 14 through 24, he warns them of the perils and dangers of idolatry. He says that if they make an image, they would corrupt themselves in verse 16. They made a similitude or any figure or a graven image, the likeness of male or female. One of the early church fathers had a phrase he said wherever there is an image there is no religion. If you have an image you don't have the true religion. That's that simple. The prophet said that images are teachers of lies. The Roman Catholics say that images are the books of the unlearned. Well, who's right? The Roman Catholics or the Bible? I'll go with the Bible. God says images teach lies. They teach men to be corrupt and wicked, to corrupt the truth about God into an image made like unto men or four-footed beasts or creeping things. Notice verse 20 in the same theme of God's inheritance. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day. Now, an inheritance is where a testator dies, and he gives his goods to his sons. That's the idea. So you, Israel, he says, are a people of God's inheritance. God is the testator. God is the one who will shed the blood of the sacrifice, typifying the testament in Christ that was to come, and he would sprinkle the people and the book and the whole house of worship with the blood of that sacrifice and enjoin a testament to them. We find this in the book of Hebrews, chapters 7 and 9. They received an inheritance. God was their inheritance, and the land was their inheritance, typifying the heavenly Canaan. They were God's heirs. They received all the benefits and blessings of his family. They were adopted by God, and therefore they were his heirs. Notice again in verse 23, the prohibition continues concerning idols. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, his gracious covenant, his testament, which he made with you, and you make you a graven image, or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath bidden thee. Why? For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. But you see, Pastor Brink, that's the Old Testament. God is no longer a consuming fire, is he? Well, yes, he is. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells us that we ought to worship God with reverence and godly fear because he is a consuming fire, Hebrews 12, 29. This is the eternal basis, the, the basis in God's nature for the prohibition of images is that God is a jealous God. He will not be worshipped according to the devices and desires of men. 25 through 28 give us the mischief of idolatry, the evil that are brought upon themselves and their children. Verses 29 through 31 give us the blessings upon their repentance. There's hope even for an idolatrous people. They may come to repentance. He says in verse 31 that God would not forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. Notice, this is a covenant of grace. It is irrevocable. It will never be changed. God has made promises and he will fulfill them in due time. If it were a covenant of works, once it's broken, that's it. There's no hope. You have to perfectly obey in a covenant of works or there's no hope for you. And notice there's hope for them, even if they went into grave idolatry. Then finally, verses 32 through the end of the chapter, we have the miracles of God's providence upon Israel, the cities of their refuge and their initial inheritance. Notice just one thing in verse 37, and then we'll close. The Lord tells them the reason why He chose them. Why does God elect? Why does God choose certain people? Verse 37 And because He loved thy fathers, therefore He chose their seed after them. Notice that. God's electing grace is not based off of somehow we did something good, and God says, you believed or you obeyed, and therefore you're worthy of my choice. No, that's how we choose presidents. That's not how God chooses his elect. God set his love upon them. He foreknew them. And because he set his love upon them beforehand, then he chose them. That's the way that election works in the scriptures. And thus far, the explanation of God's holy word from Deuteronomy chapter four.